Welcome in to another five-minute coffee break mystery. I'm Georgia Elizabeth Savage, your host. This is another installment of Auntie Mama's Scary Adult Story Times. The title of this episode is The Mystery of the Missing Kansas City Bride. The play, written by Onita Elizabeth Harris. The music, Spooky, by Joan Osborne. Welcome again to this five-minute coffee break mystery. We open this week's play by introducing you to Auntie Mama. The rich diet of cream pies and fried corn pone goodness finally caught up with Auntie Mama's youngest cousin, whom the family affectionately called Baby Mama. Baby Mama had the first of many celebrated, anticipated strokes. Each of these neurological events left in its wake a small measurable increment of memory loss. She forgot long lingered on heartaches and even longer held petty grievances. She forgot how to be shallow and judgmental in the most ironic way possible her failing heart left her beautiful, tolerable, and warm company. It was because of these and many other changes that life brings that Auntie Mama decided to pay her youngest cousin a visit in the hospital at the event of her fourth stroke. The doctors called her cardiac events TIAs, or mini strokes, minor transitory hemorrhages, in her brain and heart. But whatever, those quacks don't know shit from dark pudding anyhow. The hospital was quiet, state run, and smelled of Lysol, and long ago released farts and the armpits of crack addicts seeking help for open track wounds and urinary tract infections. Auntie Mama had the cure for the collection of these smells cheap drugstore perfume and I do mean cheap two dollars and ninety-seven cents a gallon auntie mama sprayed it on her blouse until her eyes ran perfect she fit right in her cousin was in a two-bedroom auntie mama's young cousin glowed with the radiance that can only be attributed to morphine the buzz-induced glow made the young cousin's cheeks pomegranate pink. The cousin's roommate didn't look so hot. The roommate was handcuffed to the bed. Auntie Mama, always concerned and forever nosy, saddled up to the nurse's station to see if she can use her considerable powers of persuasion to get one of the nurses to violate the HEPA confidentiality law. No sauce. The nurses weren't going to jeopardize their professional license, no matter how much Auntie Mama poked, prodded, or pouted. The housekeepers, however, were easy pickings. They welcomed the chance to stop looking as if they were working and gossip with a complete stranger. The lead housekeeper was at the nurse's station playing cards with one of the staff nurses and losing the better part of her paycheck. 
The other nurse was fighting sleep by reading the local newspaper. It says here that a patient in 14B was found in a car at the Discovery Park camping ground, right there in the parking lot. The newspaper here also says there was a young girl that was supposed to be with her. The girl's parents are flying out from Wichita, Kansas, to talk to the woman to see if she can tell them where their daughter is. Wichita? That's where my mother's from, the housekeeper said losing another hand. Tonk, bitches! Who you calling a bitch, ho? Entyway the newspaper says the last time they saw their daughter, she was threatening to run off and elope with your patient wearing those handcuffs. The parents are on their way to ask her where their daughter is. Good luck with that. That little lady in the bed next to your cousin has been in a grade 4 coma since the police placed her in that bed. There was only 14 inches of that poor woman's skin that wasn't lacerated, abrased, or bruised. Four of her teeth were missing, and the plugs of her hair had been snatched out by the roots. They even found someone else's fingernail tip embedded in her left breast. Damn, said Auntie Mama. The housekeepers kept reading the newspaper, ignoring Auntie Mama's face, which reflected the glowing nausea in the pit of her stomach. Talk again, bitch! Stop talking so loud, the RN said. You'll wake up my patients. Sorry. Does it say why the patient's in handcuffs? The nurse spoke as she shuffled the cards. It looks like she's the victim, not the criminal, but her chart says that she's wanted in Kansas City for an investigation of a murder. Auntie Mama dropped her jaw and her gum. Both almost hit the floor at the same time. You say my baby cousin is in the room next to a murderer? It's okay. The police were here and had the longest one-sided conversation in history. They read her, her rights right into the, what's left of her right ear and then handcuffed her to the bed and just bounced on out of there. Just then, the patient help light lit up the nurse station console. Everyone was silent as the console rang out a slow E-flat bell tone. A passing pharmacist called out into the air. Anyone gonna get that? Chances are good, it just might be a patient, you know, needing help, the pharmacist said in sarcastic disdain. The nurses turned to stare blankly at each other. That's not my patient. Well, it's not my patient. That's your patient. Girl, shut up. Maybe that's her cousin. Auntie Mama turned and rushed down the hall, 
while she prayed as she replaced the stick of gum in her mouth. As she entered the room, she saw her young cousin sleeping like a lamb. Ah, oh, morphine. It makes you sleep with the peace of the dead, even when you're lying next to a murderer. Auntie Mama heard the metallic sounds of the curtain rod being stressed and the soft sounds of fabric being pulled. Auntie Mama could feel the hair on her neck stand at attention and her mouth fill with the sour, gunmetal taste of adrenaline. She bit the gun between her teeth as she turned to face the sound. Auntie came face to face with blue bloodshot eyes. In fact, the woman's whole body was bloodshot. Those eyes pierced the air between them. Are you the nurse? No, no, Auntie Mama said. I, I just came to visit my cousin, she stuttered. She's sweet, real good people. She is your cousin, no, right? The young woman managed to ask from badly bruised lips. Ye yes, my brother's kid sister. She's asleep now. How are you doing? Do you want me to get the nurse for you? No, I'll push the nurse light by accident, trying to get out of these. The young battered woman held up a pair of blood-stained handcuffs in her heavily scarred hand. The bruises on her hands and arms were starting to show signs of age. They were starting to turn yellow around the purple and red centers. The bloody handcuffs the young woman wore, rattled each time she moved. You're chewing that gun so hard, I think I should call the nurse for you. No, I, I just don't like hospitals, said Auntie. The young patient's breath smelt like liver and onions that were overcooked and starting to rot. I learned how to take cuffs off in high school. One of those nurses left a pair of hemostats on my table. I got everybody in this hospital fooled. They think I'm asleep or something. Do you smoke? Do you have a cigarette? Do I? No, Auntie Mama said quickly. Oh, oh yeah, that's Nicorette gum. You chewing, right? No, Auntie replied. Hubba Bubba, want a stick? Auntie Mama asked politely. No, the young woman said. I, I got some missing teeth. The battered woman flashed a set of bloody gums. Auntie Mama struggled to hold her food in her stomach. She repressed the urge to launch her breakfast onto the floor. Reflexively, Auntie Mama just belched. <coughs> you okay? The bruised chap lip said. Auntie Mama sat on the edge of her cousin's hospital bed. After the most awkward silence anyone could possibly imagine, Auntie Mama found the courage to ask, Where's the woman who you were with in the car? Another long, awkward silence was broken by the sound of chap lips parting to speak. She's in the car! The nurse, 
assigned to the room finally arrived. She saw the young patient sitting up and gasped. Oh, you're awake. You must be in a lot of pain. Can I get you something? Bitch, hell yeah, I'm in pain. What you think? Auntie tried to move out of the way and make herself small. Did you find my fiancé? Did they find her yet? The chapped lips began to bleed at the strain of speaking. The police told the car while you were admitted here, and no one found anyone else in the car. Get my painkillers and mind your business. As the battered woman yelled at the nurse, her handcuffs rattled, and a wound at her neck opened up and began to seep and began to bloody the cloth bandage covering it. I'll get it right away, said the nurse, red-faced as she left. Auntie Mama turned toward the battered young woman while she held her sleeping cousin's hand. While her cousin snored peacefully, Auntie Mama gazed into the bloodshot eyes of her cousin's roommate and saw a spark of tenderness. I'm sorry for your loss, Auntie Mama said. I didn't lose her, and I'll damn well never lose her again, the young patient replied. Curiosity was starting to get the better of Auntie Mama. The newspaper said you were in the car alone. The paper said the police didn't see anyone else but you in the car. The battered woman's cracked lips parted and spoke again. This time, the once dry voice was wet with tears. I wasn't alone. She was there with me. She's never going to walk out on me again. She can't. She won't. She can't. Auntie Mama tried to speak over and around the gum in her mouth and the lump in her throat. Maybe she got out and went to find help. She might even be at Jane Doe in some other hospital. No, I've fixed it so she'll never leave me again. The nurse said you've been here over a week, Auntie Mama replied. How do you believe she's still in the car? She's there, the woman replied. Look in the trunk. She's in the trunk. I put her in the trunk. Auntie Mama felt a little pee come out just as she swallowed her last stick of gum. Thank you for listening to another 5-Minute Coffee Break Mystery. I'm Georgia Elizabeth Savage, your narrator. This play was written by Onita Elizabeth Harris. And the music, titled Spooky, was from Joan Osborne. Thank you so much for listening. Now get back to work. Your five minutes are up.